All right, guys, welcome back to our teaching in the book of Genesis. Now, the last time we were here, we were in chapter 39, where we saw where Joseph was sold into slavery, into Potiphar's household, who was the captain of the guard for the Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Potiphar noticed that everything that Joseph was doing as a slave in his house, it prospered. And that is the scripture said the Lord caused it to prosper. Now, that is not to say that Potiphar had any idea of the Lord, that is Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews. But nevertheless, this was simply an identifier to let us know that what Joseph was doing was not because of his ingenuity or his intellect or his human ability, but it was God who was blessing Joseph in all that he was doing in the household of Potiphar. And so this took Potiphar's attention. And what did he do? Naturally, he put him over the affairs of his entire house to the scriptures said that he didn't even know what was going into it except the food that was going into his own mouth. But everything else, whether in the house or in the field, he had no knowledge of because he had complete trust in Joseph and had submitted all these things under his hand. And so nevertheless, so this was going on for quite some time, for a few years. And then the scripture introduces Potiphar's lusting wife who began to look at Joseph. The Bible noted that Joseph was a handsome man. And so she took notation of Joseph and she began to try to seduce Joseph to have a immoral sexual relationship with her. Joseph refused this until one day she finally got him in the house all alone when there was nobody there. And then she grabbed hold to him and asked him once again, almost in a forceful manner to lie with her. Joseph did the wise thing. He ran off, but he ran off and left his coat and she grabbed and continued to hold that coat. And so his wife concocted this lie, this lust turned into hate. And she contacted the servants who were of her own servants and accused Joseph falsely of rape. And then later on, she waited till her husband Potiphar got home and accused Joseph of rape. The scripture says Potiphar was angry, but an interesting thing concerning that of Potiphar's anger, it never said with whom he was angry with. And I went through uh, 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 an elaborate explanation to show you that it was not uh, Joseph that Potiphar was angry with. It was his wife that he was angry with because we remember that Potiphar was the bodyguard. He was the captain of the bodyguards. He was the chief beheader. And for a sin such as the one that Joseph had committed against Potiphar, he would have had Joseph executed, but he did not. He actually had Joseph placed in prison the prison that Potiphar himself had administration over with in that sense. Now, he was not the jailer, but as the captain of the bodyguard, and we'll see this in chapter 40, this was still under the domain of Potiphar. So my point was that uh, Potiphar trusted Joseph. He believed Joseph, but he had to save face because this thing had now become known. So he did the greatest thing that he could do to Joseph without causing him great bodily harm. He had him imprisoned. And so then we move into Joseph's imprisonment where Joseph was first brought into the prison. Of course, he was abused slightly, 
But then we begin to notice the same scenario as it was in the household of Potiphar. So it now became in the prison that whatever was put into Joseph's care, he did well in it. And so the chief jailer noticed the same thing that Potiphar noticed and he acted in the same way that Potiphar acted. He put all of his administration under the care of Joseph, making Joseph responsible for all of the prisoners and everything that is done in the prison. And it is with that mindset that Joseph is in the prison of the captain of the guard that we now move into chapter 40. And we also move into the issues concerning Joseph as he let me just simply say it this way, but I don't want to give you guys the wrong idea, but Joseph's rise to power. And what I mean by that is once again, remember what we said in the earlier teachings about what God was doing. This is all God's sovereign hand and having Joseph to be sold using the envy and the hatred of his brothers to be sold as a slave into Egypt, into Potiphar's house, using the sexual immoral lust of Potiphar's wife, that she would do these things toward Joseph and falsely accuse Joseph of rape where he would end up in prison and it would be from prison as we start moving here in chapter 40, that he would be introduced to the cupbearer and the baker of the Pharaoh steps closer and closer to the Pharaoh until he ends up having a meeting with the Pharaoh. But nevertheless, we're not going to get there yet. But the point is God's sovereign hand in moving Joseph to a place of authority so that God could do what is according to his will, which we will find out, preserve the Jewish people alive and also what mainly and primarily to preserve God's purpose for them. That purpose of knowing the true God, preserving the word of God, keeping the ethnic purity of the Jewish people because what the constant movement towards intermarriage with the Canaanites. What was it? Chapter 34, the incident with Dinah. And then what do we have? What is it? Chapter 37 and 38, the instance with Judah marrying the Canaanites, this being a consistent threat among the Jewish people. And in doing so, marrying these Canaanites, once again, to refresh you guys, what happens? They not only lose their ethnicity, but in losing their ethnicity, they end up worshiping the gods, the gods of the Canaanites and thereby lose their divine call, divine purposes. They won't be able to fulfill it. And I'm speaking in a humanistic sense because we know that God will act in accordance to his sovereign will. And that's what we see here. He will act in his sovereign will that his purposes will always be fulfilled. They cannot be thwarted. But nevertheless, so let us go back to the text. Now we're in Genesis chapter 40. Joseph is in prison. He is prospering in prison when that is in the sense of all things are put to his care. And he's now going to be introduced to two intriguing players with a dream. Let's start. Chapter 40, verse one. Then it came about after these things, the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt offended their Lord, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was furious with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. So he put them in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard in the jail, the same place where Joseph 
was imprisoned. The captain of the bodyguard put Joseph in charge of them and he took care of them and they were in confinement for some time. Then the cup, let's stop there. So we are simply introduced that after some time, all of a sudden we find out where the cup bearer and we are, okay. And just in case you guys don't know, the cup bearer was basically a drink and food tester for kings and for royal people. Because why? The, the king would always be subject to some form of assassination. People would be trying to kill him. And one of the ways, of course, by trying to kill the king would be by v virtue of poisoning him. And so this was the function of the cupbearer. And also, too, we notice, and but we're not going to get into it, but since I mentioned it, the cupbearer also became a counselor to the king. We see that in Nehemiah himself, but we're not in that, are we? But nevertheless, the cupbearer, as well as the chief baker, all right, and that speaks for itself, one who makes the food for the king, in some way or another had sinned against the king. They had done something that had completely displeased the king, and this was not spoken of. It didn't tell us what they did. It just simply said they displeased the king, and the king therefore had them placed into the royal prison. And that's where we did the captain of the guard thing that I was just telling you guys about. And so we find, remember the chief jailer had set Joseph over all of the prisoners. So therefore these two men would naturally come under the care of Joseph. Okay. So now they are in the prison and now we are set for the next events in the life of Joseph. Okay. But not quite yet. I'll explain why it's still a not quite yet as we move through the text. Verse number five, then the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt who were confined in jail, both had a dream the same night, each man with his own dream and each man with his own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in the morning and observed them, behold, they were dejected. He asked Pharaoh's officials who were with him in confinement in his master's house, why are your faces so sad today? Then they said to him, we have had a dream and there is no one to interpret it. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell it to me, please. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, and let me stop there before I get into the dreams as well as their interpretation. So in the, in the next, uh, that night, the same night, both the cupbearer as well as the baker had a dream. And Joseph came in the next morning and saw their faces looking very sad. As the scripture said, they were had a look of dejection on their face. And so Joseph was inquisitive about why they were looking so sad. And he asked them, OK, what's wrong? Why are you guys looking so sad this morning? Uh, of course, outside of their natural circumstances of being in jail. But nevertheless, well, what's the problem this morning? And they began to tell Joseph that they each had a dream and the Bible lets us know that they had individual separate dreams and each dream had its own separate interpretation. And so when they told Joseph that they had a dream, they were saddened because in that dream, there was no one to give them an interpretation of the dream. And people often in those days, even today, believe that all dreams have some sort of interpretive value to them. So they were saying to Joseph, we don't have anybody to interpret their dreams. And Joseph said, do not interpretation 
belong to God. So notice once again, we see concerning Joseph's faith, fidelity in God. And also we see Joseph's humility and Joseph's belief, faith and trust in his God, saying God is the interpreter of dreams. Also, while we're at this issue concerning interpretation of dreams, Joseph and Daniel, the Daniel we see in the book of Daniel, these are the only two men in scripture who are ever spoken of having the ability to interpret dreams. So this does not seem that this is something that is done of the norm or the usual, but something that is done by God's own hand for a purpose. And we, we see also too, that both men, both men were imprisoned. And remember that Daniel was first what imprisoned when he was brought to Babylon, they both were in foreign lands, Joseph in Egypt, Daniel in Babylon, and they both served foreign kings and interpreted the dreams of foreign kings. Now we'll see that interpretation of dreams with Joseph later on in the next chapter, but we also note that it was Daniel who interpreted the dream of Nebuchadnezzar. Okay. But anyway, so we see these similarities with both Joseph as well as Daniel. Okay. So now let's get into the dreams that the cupbearer had as well. We're going to deal with the dream also of the baker as well as his interpretation. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph and said to him, in my dream, behold, there was a vine in front of me and on the vine were three branches and it was budding. Its blossoms came out and its clusters produced ripe grapes. Now Pharaoh's cup was in my hand. So I took the grapes and squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup. And I put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, this is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office. And you will put Pharaoh's cup into his hand, according to your former custom when you were in, when you were his cup bearer. Only keep me in mind when it goes well with you. And please do me a kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. For I was in fact kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I have done nothing that they should have put me into, into this dungeon. Okay, so the cup bearer tells him his dream. And in his dream, he sees a vine. And this vine has three branches that comes out of the vine. Now, as these three branches come out of the vine, he, he quickly, immediately sees change in the vine. All of a sudden there is budding. It goes from the budding to the blossoms. It goes from the blossoms to full ripe grapes on the vine. So it happens very quickly. Okay. And then he saw himself squeezing from these fully ripened grapes into the cup of Pharaoh. And so Joseph gave him the interpretation of his dream. And it was very simple. And he said in three days, Pharaoh will lift your head. And now this uh, 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 symbolic gesture of lifting the head, he's going to use for both the cup bearer as well as the baker. It would be the same identical uh, gesture in, in terminology that he will use, but it will have two 
completely different opposite meanings. This is a meaning of lifting the head of blessings. And so Joseph interpreted the dream and saying that in three days, the king will, will summon for him and he will also be placed back into his original position as a cupbearer to stand before the king and to do the job that he once did. So it was a favorable interpretation. In three days, he will be restored back to his office. And because that Joseph understood this being favorable, this restoration of the cupbearer, he then tells the cupbearer to remember him. And so this is a time for Joseph to kind of plead his case before the Pharaoh. He says, when you get back to your office, remember me, tell the Pharaoh about my condition. And he tells him that he is from the land of the Hebrews. Now this, I do believe is one of the first time that Canaan is referred to as the land of the Hebrews. In other words, remember now, even as we have it, so with Jacob dwelling in the land of Canaan, Canaan still has not been given to the Israelites in the official capacity of, uh, of having the land and occupying the land. It is still occupied by the Canaanites and for at least 400 years into the future, they still will not occupy the land, but nevertheless, the mindset, even in Joseph is the land still belongs to the Jewish people. Okay. Because God himself had decreed it, but nevertheless, so he tells them that he is a Jewish man from the land of, of the Hebrews, the land of Canaan, and that he has been falsely imprisoned. Even so he, he was sold as a slave, falsely imprisoned even once he got into Egypt, having done nothing worthy of being placed in this dungeon. And so he tells the cupbearer, when you finally go and stand before the king, please remember me and plead my case on my behalf. Okay. So now let's get to the next dream. And it's the dream of the baker. When the chief baker saw that he had interpreted favorably, he said to Joseph, I also saw in my dream and behold, there were three baskets of white bread on my head. And in the top basket, there were some of all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh and the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. Then Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation. The three baskets are three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and will hang you on a tree and the birds will eat your flesh off you. Thus, it came about on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among his servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his office, and he put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker just as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Okay, so now it's the chief baker's time to give him his dream. Once he saw that Joseph gave a good interpretation of the cupbearer's dream, he was, his heart was lifted up, no doubt thinking that he would give a favorable uh, interpretation of his dream. So he began to tell Joseph, he too had a dream of a basket and, and it was basket that were on top of his head with three bread baskets on this, on top of his head. 
with white bread. But all of a sudden he saw the birds beginning to come and pick the bread, eat the bread out of the baskets. And so Joseph gave the interpretation of his dream. And he said, remember when I told you guys that he said in three days, Pharaoh will lift your head. That's the same terminology that he used earlier, but now it is used in a negative sense. But in three days, Pharaoh will lift up his head. He will come to the attention of the Pharaoh. But instead of Pharaoh restoring him back to his position as a baker, Pharaoh will render judgment against him and cause him to be executed and the birds will eat his flesh from his dead carcass. So it was a very bad omen. So there was nothing for Joseph to tell the baker to remember him. Okay. So it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? So what happens in the passage of time, just as Joseph had interpreted the dream in three days, it was Pharaoh's birthday and kings and rulers of uh, uh, would always love to do special things. They would give birthday parties as we would call them today. And so he gave this particular birthday festivity, uh, 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 acknowledging his servants. And when he did so quite naturally, what came to his mind was those two servants of his, the cup bearer and the baker to whom he had sentenced to prison. So he called them out of prison. And so the judgment that he rendered toward the cup bearer was to restore him back to his office and the cupbearer was restored and once again was serving the Pharaoh just as Joseph had interpreted in the dream. And the baker was also judged by the Pharaoh and he was judged unto death just as Joseph had interpreted in the dream. And of course we know the birds would come and eat his flesh from his dead carcass. But nevertheless, Remember what Joseph said to the cupbearer, knowing that he would be favorably restored by the Pharaoh. Remember me, that is, plead my case before the Pharaoh because all of this injustice that, that I have experienced. But once again, what happened? The cupbearer forgot Joseph. He did not think and remember Joseph at all. Now, with respect to to speaking of this in respect to human terms, we would see this as ingratitude and it might, and it might be some sense of ingratitude, but nevertheless, I don't think so much that it is uh, ingratitude that is being expressed here. But once again, remember what I told you guys, all of these things are being done by the sovereign hand of God. It was not God's will for Joseph yet to come out of the prison. Joseph will be in prison for two more years and he will not be released. And we're not going to get into chapter 41 yet, but he will not be released until Pharaoh himself has a dream. Joseph is remembered. Joseph interprets the dream and Pharaoh exalts Joseph to power. So he won't be my point. It will not be until it is the timing and the will of God for Joseph to be released. Now the scripture doesn't say why God is still keeping Joseph into prison, but we can ascertain this concerning God, that God works all things for our good, as I've been saying over and over and over. So to the personal good of Joseph, he is yet 
being allowed to suffer these things, not only his slavery, but also his continued imprisonment. God develops character. God tests character. So God is developing God is testing Joseph's character in a similar way that God developed and test Jesus's character. What did the scripture say? What did the writer of Hebrews say? How he learned obedience by the things that he suffered. And so Joseph himself is learning obedience. He is learning discipline. He is learning faith. He is learning patience and trust in his God through the things that God is allowing him to suffer. God is making Joseph a more excellent leader so that when God brings him to power, he will be indeed a wise leader, a wise provider for his people as well as the Egyptians. But anyway, thanks a lot guys for joining me in that particular teaching. Join me next time as we get into chapter 41. Again, as I've just been saying, Joseph will be moved closer and closer to the divine place where God has chosen him to be. See you next time.